Are you ready to live the all-in life? Then welcome to the All-In Podcast Show, sharing the defining moments of impact-driven entrepreneurs, industry pioneers, and transformative leaders as they showcase their defining moments and went all-in on their business and found true success. From the early steps in their journey to the moment they truly took their commitment to their life and business to another level, we'll give you the insight you need to go all-in on your dream life. Now here's your host, Daniel Giordano. Welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, I am excited to, uh, and I'm actually fired up about this one, right? Because this is an area of interest for me. Welcome to the show, uh, Doug Brackman. Well, thank you, Daniel. We've been sitting here bullshitting for like 20 minutes, and so I'm yeah. all fired up, too. Yeah, I'm sure we could talk all day. <laughs> yeah, so um, welcome. I'm, I'm excited to hear your backstory, right? Like, you know, how did you get into what you're doing now? What was life like growing up? So... I'm a psychologist, and despite what any other psychologist might say, all psychologists get into psychology to figure out their own shit. And so I'm a high school dropout, lived in a car, and had an awakening basically at 18 years old, very simply, and I had multiple throughout my life, but just a real pause in my life, looking at my life and asking myself, what am I doing? without all of the judgment and without all of the crap attached to it, just that real sincere, like, wait a second, what am I doing? And <clears throat> it woke me up basically. And I, I obviously went back to school and wound up getting a, two PhDs, primarily because I was so freaking insecure about being smart, wanted to go to school forever and I did. Um, but in the last 35 years since I've you know, kind of got my shit together, um, it's really a, a phenomenal time to be alive and, and to understand how much of an animal we are, but why I, as this human animal, as this homo sapien, am different. And so I started in 1991 in undergrad, and this Time Magazine article came out, said, ha ha, we found it. We found the alcoholism genes, the genetics behind alcoholism. <clears throat> And those of you guys who were born in 91, the world was a very different place. And so we didn't, re we had no internet, we had no, you know, shit, I still had a phone attached to the wall. And it, it's, <clears throat> we all did. And so in the intervening 30 years since, we cracked the human genome, meaning that we mapped the entire genetic model. So most important part of that is that we can see that the group is different. There's group differences, not good, not bad, but you know, Darwin's a smart guy. Um, the other thing we did really has been about the last 10 years is the functional MRI. And so <clears throat> what the functional MRI allows us to do is to really see in real time what parts of the brain are being used to make sense of this weird experience we have being alive. And we found differences there too. And so by all intensive purposes, I am ADD, ADHD. I am wired that way. I'm wired differently. And it goes back fourth grade. You know, I grew up in Los Angeles, you know, born in 68. So mid seventies, great time to be in California. Just a phenomenal state. Um, nice, normal childhood. But, you know, in third grade, fourth grade, I re distinctly remember 
kind of having this awareness of, of seeing how stupid school was. Like, what is the point of this? Why are we memorizing all these stupid multiplication tables? And I mean, what's the point, guys? Most of the rest of the class, 95% of the rest of the class, why do you even care? Just do it. Just do it. Do what you're told. And I have this deep <laughs> thing inside of me that says, nah, I, I, if I don't see the point of doing something, I have no desire to do it. If it doesn't light my candle, I'm not in it. So that started this understanding about, you know, what I wrote my book about, um, came out three years ago now, is, is I title of the book is Driven, but it's a rebranding of a very old idea, 20 year old idea about the hunter farmer theory. And so I jumped real deep into understanding how Hunter-farmer theory, if you guys don't know it, very simply, 4,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, the world began to become very different, much safer. The agricultural revolution started to allow us as a species to go from little family groups of 30, 40 tribes into these massive million plus societies. And the theory goes that 95% thereabouts of the human population adapted to a sedentary, boring, safe world. And quite remarkable that about 5%, Daniel Amen, big brain guy out of Irvine, California says, we're maybe 2%. Gina Wickman, entrepreneurial guy says we're 3%. I give it a little broader category, maybe 8% <laughs> that we have these, but we're different. We are different. I created a nationally normed assessment, you know, to see if you're driven, 10 different traits. Um, and it, it's valid. We are different. <laughs> we are. It's a real thing. Um, and, you know, I guarantee if you're listening to these types of podcasts or really getting into it, you will see and start to relate to what I talk about as, holy shit, this might just explain my life. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Amazon reviews are all about, um, you know, how it's a, it's an uncomfortable biography of my life is, is this, how similar we are, but how different we are from the bigger herd, but we're not that unique as far as hunters go. So that's me in a nutshell. That's basically what I do. And the last five years have been diving deep. 10 years have been really diving deep into our brain and how our brain is different, how primarily our reward system is different. We have a different reward system, different relationship with dopamine, um, and our brain structure is different. And so we do, we have a different brain, we have a different reward system, we have a different personality type, we have a different way of going through the world. Okay. So you mentioned something, I think that, that uh, a lot of people, when they start, you know, doing something in their life, you know, is birthed out of, right? So you mentioned your own personal, you know, you know, people getting the reason people get into this line of work is because they're trying to deal with their own shit, right? Yep. Right. <clears throat> and so that my shit, and if you're listening to this and relate to it, um, it it's, it's a really interesting way of, of looking at yourself in a different way different light. So I always felt like there was something missing or wrong in my life. It's called boredom. And boredom, boredom is a, 
it's associated with the dopamine receptor number two. So DRD2, DR mean dopamine receptor number two. And then there's all these different alleles and I think they're up to 143 different <laughs> genetic combinations related to these, related to our reward system. But dopamine receptor number two varies within the herd. Most of the herd, and you think about a farmer, they're wired for boring shit. They're wired to literally watch things grow, patiently waiting for this future date of reward when we're going to take a harvest. And then when you get the harvest, you save it very carefully and put it in silos and you keep it safe and you only you know, manage your impulses to spending and you, um, you love routine. Routine is what keeps you safe in the world. You stick your finger in the ground, you put a little corn in it, you wait, and therefore you'll be good. So you don't like big changes. Um, I, on the other hand, as a hunter, am wired to, within 15 minutes of watching something grow, start to have a central nervous system that tells me there's something, this isn't okay, I'm bored. I don't like it is. And so that emotional response inside of me propels me out of the cave, propels me out of, you know, the tribe to go seek something to get rid of this feeling that I need more and I need something instrumental for my survival 20,000 years ago in a farmer's world that is now created. I look crazy and that reward system, the, uh, the <clears throat> so we have dopamine receptor number two, number four is a little bit more interesting and I'm way more dopamine receptor number four. Dopamine receptor number four is, associated, <clears throat> me, is associated with FOMO, it's the FOMO gene. And so it's future reward. And hunters, we're sitting, feeling, we often feel like there's more woolly mammoths over the next hill. And so we're wanderers and, you know, the time or the National Geographic did a great exposition on dopamine receptor number four. They called it the wandering gene. And so we are constantly seeking shiny shit on the horizon where farmers feel that they wander away from the crops. And so with these two core differences in my wiring, you know, that's how I wound up getting two. It's total waste, not a waste of time. I got a lot of education, but two PhDs is ridiculous. You know, and I, I felt like I wasn't in very good shape. So I did Ironman triathlon. <laughs> it's like, that's ridiculous. You know, I, I felt like I couldn't defend myself. So I did, you know, five years of Aikido, two years of Bujinkan. And then he said, I still really can't kick somebody's ass. So I get into Krav Maga. <laughs> like, and then, you know, but... It, and so it, it, it explained why I feel so different than those people around me. And it just makes sense. It made sense to me. And yeah. most important part of all of that is identity. And so that's really what I do as a coach is, is farmers. And this is my new book coming out another year, probably. Farmers have a very simple identity. And if you think about what they do and how they, how they live in the world, they live in these massive societies, millions of people. And so they become job specialized. 
butchers and bakers and candlestick makers and wagon this and they do this and you know some guy makes shoes his whole life um and that becomes their identity it's a very simple as long as i you know go to the cobbler store and i make shoes every day and i make this many pairs of shoes i'll be fine um and that identity suits them well and it's largely because their brain structure is different they have this nice bright ball of activity in their frontal lobe when we put them in a functional MRI. And it, it's the executive part of the brain. It, it tells them basically a series of sequential thinking or sequential steps to keep them safe in the world. And it is not how I operate. <laughs> I do not see things as a series of sequential steps because you put us, you put Drivens in a functional MRI the back of our heads light up. We have occipital dominance. We have visual dominance in our brain, meaning that we use our eyeballs to go through the world. And when I'm sitting there, you know, in martial arts or whatever, waiting for the next move, you know, mindfulness doesn't mean that you're, you know, relaxed. It means that you're ready for either a punch in the face or somebody to give you a flower equally. And so I'm in the present. And that, that opened this door of really changing the way I understand the world. And if you're driven like me, we have a huge capacity for presence. And it's part of my theory about, you know, it's called neuropeptide Y. I write about it in my book. Neuropeptide Y is the best predictor for making it through BUDS training, Navy SEAL training. Neuropeptide Y is this really interesting variant of brain chemistry that when I am into something, I do something called hyperfocus. I really get into it. Like I can, the whole world goes away and I am just consumed by what I'm doing. And that's neuropeptide Y. And it changes the way my brain works. And it, it, it's a gift for those of us that are driven. But it, it, the consequences of it is I can quickly forget, very quickly forget failures and keep moving. It's, it's you know, Edison and his 9,999 different ways to not make a light bulb. He never gave up because what happens, neuropeptide Y is very important neurochemical for hunters because we're chasing a rabbit getting into this rabbit and we're really figuring it out. Oh shit, the rabbit got away. Flash of disappointment. And then my occipital dominance and my reward system quickly jumps to another rabbit. Like, oh shit, there's another rabbit. I can wash away that failure and keep going. Where farmers, they don't do that. They, they screw their crop up, <laughs> they're toast. And so they're really methodical and really thoughtful and really linear and really, you know, they're, they're, that's my joke I always say is that, you know, they're wired for the W-2 job. I'm basically unemployable. <laughs> I mean, you tell me how to do something and I think I can come up with a better, faster way to do it. I'm going to do it that way. And so I work well in groups with pairs, but I have a great difficulty with authority. And you know, the, the, the gift of this drivenness is really the frontal lobe because my frontal lobe 
doesn't light up with a nice little ball of linear activity. It's hypoactive. And that's the defining feature of ADD, meaning that it, it's underactive compared to normals. And it is, but I can do something called multi-think. And this is where the entrepreneurial mind comes in. I used to call it the entrepreneurial mind. Um, and it, it is this, I get, I am wired for the big picture. I can think about the big picture and really understand eight, nine, 12 different variables that make sense of this big picture. And I see it all at the same time. And then I can see this path going through it. But I try to explain that to a farmer that doesn't have this kind of multi-thinking brain. They think I'm tangential as shit. And like, what the hell are you talking about? I think they're stupid, slow, and lazy. Like, they don't get it. They look at me like I'm tangential and nuts. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> but understanding how this is a gift and a curse, because it is a farmer's world. This world has never been safer. It's never been easier ever. I mean, there a hundred years ago, there was 1 billion people on the planet. Now there's eight. <clears throat> we figured it out. I mean, we figured out the survival thing. <laughs> so it's like, you know, the, the being a driven in this farmer's world, I look nuts. I look like I'm tangential and really obsessed with my hobbies and I'm not, I'm just driven. Okay. So What's interesting about all that is obviously uh, we tend to put labels on people based on the way they show up, right? You know, like I think we touched on this earlier around, you know, the school system, you know, and what you were sharing about, you know, uh, why do I need to learn this? Like this isn't, you know, not, it's not that it's not something you're interested in. It's just like, it's not in your wheelhouse and your gift, right? So, uh, you know, it's interesting to me to see that in today's education system and, and just in life in general, where people just uh, don't recognize some of the things you just shared, right? It was like, why do we do this cer certain things the way we do them, right? Now, well, the others, yeah. And the school system, the school system was going to the simple point. It, this is a farmer's world designed by farmers, built by farmers. The systems are put in place for farmers, by farmers. And it, it's, you know, the school system was based upon creating good employees for Ford, mm -hmm. assembly line workers. And it, it, it wasn't designed for us. It wasn't made for us. It's not ours. Mm -hmm. And it's not good or bad. It's just, it's different. Right. So they have to accommodate us. No, well, you, you, we have to accommodate them. Well, no, you, it, and this is where I go with all my drivens. Take responsibility for yourself. You're not responsible for your own trauma, but you can't force the world to fit your needs. Right. So that's led you down this path of uh, <laughs> doing some interesting work, right? So I, I'd love for you to share your meditation process and like what your retreats are about and the methodology behind all of it. So <clears throat> 2014, I um, was, let's tell you the story. I was trying to rebrand myself away from psychology because this 
I was working in an entrepreneurial world and I have two PhDs, PhD in organizational business psychology and clinical psychology. But the eye roll that I got by most of my clients about being a psychologist, I mean, there's this, this shame thing attached. And I mm. could have called my book the shame-based personality, um, mm. meaning that our deep identity if you're finishing that identity conversation around farmers, farmers have this nice, neat little package that they call themselves. I'm a, a psychologist, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Um, we're driven, we're, we're da Vinci's. Are you a sculptor? Are you a painter? Are you a military historian? Are you, you know, what are you? Well, I'm everything. I don't know. So we tend to, and this is where the curse of being driven comes in, we tend to use our emotions as a base of our identity. As a driven person, where farmers don't, they, they use their logic and rational. Um, and if you think about our reward system, I was wired to feel like there was something missing or wrong. And I created an identity out of that. There's something missing or wrong with me. And it's the core of the imposter syndrome. It's the core of all of those kind of things that get, get my clients to contact me. Um, you know, I, I got two PhDs hoping to feel smart. Never worked. <laughs> you know, Dr. Jim Spira, as he shook my hand coming out of my dissertation defense, congratulations, Dr. Brackman. First time I ever called doctor. My inner world, my, my emotions, you know, came up with a very clear statement in my head of just, haha, he bought it. Because my multi-thinking brain and my chronic discontent and my, my feeling like there was something I could have done better about it is true. And I could have been, you know, toxic perfectionism and all that. But when I put it in the frame of driven, oh, that's just my driven stuff looking for an explanation. The joke is my dissertation was good enough. The thing's on my freaking wall. I mean, check mark. It was good enough. Good enough is not a feeling. So I was trying to rebrand myself in, in Bujankan at the time, doing a martial arts at the time. And my teacher, Randy Kelly, um, sixth degree, yeah, sixth degree black belt, um, retired Navy SEAL sniper. And he and I were shooting buddies and, you know, kind of bullshit buddies. And, you know, he was a really good driven as all get out. Amazing human being. Um, started fucking around with this idea of let's, let's teach meditation with long range shooting. <laughs> oh, the entrepreneurs will love it. Let's brand that. Let's go with it. I had no idea what I was backing myself into with, with unbelievable teaching tool to show how to harness your drivenness, both your hyper-focus where you are really in the present. You're, you're just incredibly present and your body's response to sabotaging that and that was my doctoral dissertation was self-sabotage was self-fulfilling prophecy and again this was early 2000s late 90s pre-functional mri pre-understanding genetics pre all of that but it, it's what's happening inside of our bodies um and it, it, it's a reverse of what you'd think and it, it, in my dissertation, I looked at why January sucks at the gym because everybody's monkey mind, their neocortex has convinced their body that this time's going to be different. 
And what happens? Everybody's monkey mind is controlling their body and dragging their ass to the gym. But what happens by February? And I just did this slide so I know the stats. 78% of people don't even remember their New Year's resolutions February 14th by Valentine's Day. What the hell's going on? Like, what, what happened? And so it, it, I looked at the two different operating systems making sense of this real world where experience you have being alive. And the new brain or the neocortex seems to be in control of us most of the time. But there's this other system down below our nose that wants to be in control, that wants to keep us safe, has a different agenda. Most importantly, the body wants the familiar. And lottery winners, another great example of sabotage, what within two to three years of winning the lottery, 75% hate their life. They're broke, they're bankrupt, and their family hates them because they've given their money to their family and now they're not anymore because they spent it all. And all of a sudden, all their families are dead and everybody's like, what the hell was that? That sucked. Because the neocortex, and I do this from stage with groups of 500 people, who wants to win the lottery? Everybody raises their hand. I go through the slides, I go through the deck, explain to them how their body won't be able to handle it, their body's going to sabotage it. No, come on, now that I know it'll be different. Nope. And so the gun has been the best teaching tool. And why? Because this thing called recoil, <laughs> and recoil, recoil, there's about 65,000 PSI of pressure going off next to your face, pushing a very heavy bullet down a long tube. And that creates this force of equal opposite into your shoulder. And your monkey mind, you really can't, and we shoot out to 2,500 yards. I've shoot out to two miles. I mean, I got a two mile gun. Um, it's ridiculously far. So my shooting retreats, you know, I start everybody at 300 yards and oh my God, no way, we'll never hit it. Bing, 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 you hit it every time. These guns are hyper accurate and they're all obsessed with it. Um, then we go to 600 yards and we go to 900 yards and we go to 1200 yards and your monkey mind is just going, no way, no way. But if you follow the process and process is incredibly important and I stole a lot from the Japanese art of Kudo. Kudo is a Zen archery where they break shooting this little arrow down into and they sit in a dark room at 11 yards, 33 feet. Um, and you can barely see the target, barely see anything. So you have to really feel energetically how you're connected to this target. And so I process that into translated into long range guns and I've got ridiculously hyper accurate guns, but you hit, you hit once at a thousand yards. First point in time you pull, wow, that was incredible. And, da, da, da. and when you're hyper-focused and not anticipating the recoil, you're present. There is no recoil in the present. And so if you feel the brace, you feel that you, you, you will feel your body brace against the future. It's called a flinch. And you'll feel the sabotage. But the more you could focus, the more deeper you drop into this experience of presence, 
and it becomes very spiritual very quickly. <laughs> I mean, it's very spiritual because you start to feel, and it gets, you know, and I'm not a hippie, but it, you start to feel, it's called moname in Japanese, you feel this spiritual connection between you, the ground, the gun, the target, the path of the bullet. You feel this wild interconnection between it all. And oftentimes you'll, you'll feel, you know you're going to hit the target before you pull the trigger. Like there was no, I, I, I knew where the wind was going to move the bullet. And then a thousand yards, the bullet can be two to six MOA, eight MOA sometimes. And for every minute of angle or MOA, it's, it's 10 inches. So eight MOA is 80 inches of wind. So this bullet is drifting 10 feet and you can feel that path. And it's incredible boom, bang, and you hit the target. It takes four seconds for the sound to come back after you hit this big steel plate. So you're like, oh, you're, you see it through the scope. You hit the target. And then it's just 1,001, like 1,002. It's like, fuck, did I hit it? Maybe not, I didn't hit it. And all of a sudden you go, ding, and you hold it. <laughs> then you do it again. And this time... You're just as curious, just as wild, and just and you're not expecting to hit it. Like fuck, I'll never hit it. Like come on, come on, bing, you hit it. That third shot is the most egoic filled thing you can ever experience. And the ego, this saboteur, lives in your body. It doesn't live in your brain. And the sabotage. I don't care who you are. And I shoot competitively at six hundred and a thousand. You put. You put four shots real close together, that fifth shot becomes so much harder. That is pure sabotage. It's not harder. If you follow the process, you'll hit it again. And I can take a brand new female shooter that's never shot a gun and basically out, they they will outshoot Navy SEALs every time, first day, every time. (laughs) Why? Cause they don't know, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're just, they're, they're in humility. Mm-hmm. And with humility, which is the capacity to be honest with yourself and a process, you can do anything in this world. That's fascinating. I, I like, love it. Yay. Yay. The only problem I have is myself. And you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> the only problem I have is myself. <laughs> but driven's for driven's it, it is, it, it, it shows you the real capacity of learning a process. It shows you the real capacity of meditation. Meditation, meditation is not about relaxation. It has nothing to do with relaxation. It's presenting. And in the present moment, I mentioned that, you know, becomes spiritual very quickly. And then, uh, you know, let's say this lightly, but God doesn't exist in time. God is timelessness. God is the absence of time. When you experience profound presence, other things come along with it, such as grace. You start to relax. You start to feel safer. You start to experience grace. You experience clarity. Mm -hmm. You experience goodness. You experience calm. You experience all these other names for this state of being and relationship you have with everything around you. And God is a relationship. God is not a thing. So it's a very, when you like, wait a second, 
God is presence. And when you're in the present moment, you're experiencing divine presence. Yeah. Well, that, and it feels good. Yeah. And it helps your body heal. Yeah. And it's like, that's what they've been talking about for thousands of years. Yeah. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw a shout out to Vedic Christianity because it, it's, it is this capacity to have a personal relationship with the present is why they killed Christ. And no, 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 no. It's not about, you know, God's in the tabernacle. God's behind this. God's in the box. That's a classic saying is God's out of the box. And that understanding that I can be in the present and actually experience these things. Most importantly, the, the sabotage that my flesh is hardwired to do. I, I can be free from. And my doctoral dissertation chair, <laughs> fucker, um, gave the initials, wrote the initials and then signed his name for not bad for a high school dropout. <laughs> it's so you asshole. It's like, not bad, seriously. And it, it, it's, it is, you can feel my excitement or my, my passion for this. And I've been doing this shit forever because it, it, it experience, I get to experience a love for being driven, a love for the way I'm wired because it propels me into this. Maybe I can get closer to the present. Maybe I can have more presence. Maybe I can. And rather than actually trying to get more, you know, 53 years old, more external reward, more external glory, more external things. I'm actually on an inner path of actually inner peace, more peace, more, more grace. Um, and I have non-driven friends that just don't get why I'm so freaking obsessed with meditating. Why, why the hell would you want to go on a 21-day meditation retreat? Are you nuts? It's like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you just don't understand. <laughs> but it's all, it's all because I'm wired for chronic discontent, wired, feel, to wire, wired to feel like I'm broken, wired to feel like there's something missing or wrong with me. And I've been forced to understand that I'm, I'm just a monkey. I'm just a loving creature from a loving God. And I, that's all I am. And I am driven. And I'm wired this way to get the most out of life. Just squeeze every inch of life out of this thing. <laughs> it's awesome. So one, I appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Right. So as we wind this down, um, how do people find out more about you? So all things, Doug, I've landed, I've, collected all my resources and put them at iamdriven.com. You can get the assessment there, first three chapters of my book, both in audio and, and written free. Um, and it's just, you know, take the assessment. It's a trip. Once you start to, to, to see yourself in this driven lens, it's incredibly relieving. Like, oh shit, I am different. Yeah, but it is their world and we need them just as much as Nancy does. So I appreciate your time. This was a blast. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm grateful that you uh, are doing the type of work that you're doing. It's much needed, obviously in today's world, right. To uh, help us crazy entrepreneurs. Right. And uh, (laughs) you know, and um, just uh, excited to continue the uh, path and I'm looking forward to attending one of your retreats. So I'm I'm excited to uh, get behind a gun. And if any gun nuts out there, yeah, we start with two, two threes, go to three Oh eights, go to six, five Creedmoors. And then I have 300 Norma mags 
300 Norma Mag, and then I have a 375 Chitec. So the 375 Chitec is is no joke. I mean, it's it, 7,000 foot pounds of energy coming out the end. If you can, if you cannot, if you can manage shooting that about five times in a row and be present on the fifth shot, you are doing something because it's a big bang. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And, uh, and, uh, again, I'm, I'm, you know, grateful that you took the time to be here. Uh, I appreciate it, Daniel. We want to thank you for being all in with us on today's episode of the all in podcast show. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, as well as ways to connect to our guests, head to allinpodcast.com. That's available exclusively on allinpodcast.com.